so excited I can barely sit still a whole of thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. <laughs> well, we we're not going to shake hands, <laughs> but we are face to face. Yes. Wow. And I am excited to, I'm in the long residence and I'm excited to be here and do some fodder. It's been, oh. any idea? It's got to be, so the six months, well, over right? Over six months, I think everything everything hit the fan in mid-March, so must have been late February when we were together. So, yeah, and now um, now you're here, six feet away, <laughs> with a phone between us yep. to fodder. This is good. This, this is good. This is great. Good food, some uh, fellowship and conversation, and and... You know, stealing away for a little bit of fodder. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. All right. And tonight, we're going to talk about inequality. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about, I know, exciting, huh? How that uh, affects our mind and our body. And I, it's from Hidden Brain, which is, I think, arguably my top podcast, at least for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that right amount of... Um, Making making me think, metacognition, yeah. looking at the different topics and inequality was one of is really recent. I think the fourteenth was when this episode aired, and there is a lot that I'm thinking about, and it'll be good to hear your thoughts about yeah. it as well. But first, uh, right. inequality. So the episode starts with a, a story about Mike Trout, and maybe we'll get into that. But I know that you're an avid sports fan, and I know you know these kind of trivial details, or at least way better than I do. So we're going to try to see where your knowledge of contracts are for athletes, okay. Mr. Long. Okay? Bring it on. All right. So here we go. First question. What was the size of Alex Rodriguez's mega contract with the New York Yankees? Was it $100 million, $500 million, $400 million, or $275 million? Um, I think it was $275. $275. You are correct. Alex Rodriguez signed a 10-year contract Two hundred thirty-five million with the Yankees in '07. It was the second largest contract uh, at the publishing of this particular quiz. So already off to a great start. Next question: As of July 2018, who had the largest sports contract in history? Hmm. A. Floyd Merriweather, boxer. B. Derek Jeter, New York Yankees. C. Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins, or D, Stephon Curry from the Golden State Warriors? It was Giancarlo Stanton. Two for two. 13-year, $325 million contract with the Marlins in 2014. Mm-hmm. 
no longer the largest yeah. sports contract, no. which we will get into as well. But he, but the Yankees, uh, they traded for him, and now the Yankees have that on their on their mm. books. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, question three. Who has the largest contract in basketball? Was Is it Curry from the Golden State Warriors? Is it sh- Was it, I guess, who has? So past, potentially, because we've got Shaquille O'Neal, Los Angeles Lakers, Michael Jordan from the Chicago Bulls, or James Harden from the Houston Rockets. Ooh, this is where I struggle. I will, so the biggest ever, I'm going to just go with a modern day. I'm going to go with Curry. Okay. That is incorrect. It is James Harden signed a six-year, $228 million contract in 2017. Okay. Second highest basketball contract is Russell Westbrook, five years. Uh, then it's Stephon Curry. Okay, two for three. Next one. Who has the largest NFL contract in history? Do you know NFL? Andrew Luck, Indianapolis Colts. Derek Carr, the Oakland Raiders. Calvin Johnson, from the Detroit Lions or Tom Brady from the New York or New England, sorry, Patriots. Um, I'm gonna go with Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Okay. Incorrect. Andrew Luck made history in the NFL when he signed a six-year contract extension worth 140 million with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I mean, I probably should just go like more current, just just because it seems they keep giving. Bigger and bigger, but then that well, no, James Harden was that was uh, that was modern day, or that was yeah. Well, all right, you're fifty fifty. Keep okay. let's get in the win column again. Right. How much was Kobe Bryant's two thousand four seven year contract with the Los Angeles Lakers? Was it fifty million, three hundred million, a hundred thirty six point four million, or two hundred million? I'll say two hundred. Incorrect. It was a seven-year, $136.4 million oh. deal in okay. 2004. All right. All right. Come on. Let's All even right. it back out. Nope. Now I went to... Maybe we're done. Maybe we're done. Because <laughs> okay. I went back to Alex Rodriguez for some right. reason. Well, so losing I don't, percentage. I don't know you were on your way down, but yeah. started off hot. You you were. I don't so you, more baseball. I know than a lot more baseball contracts. Probably than yeah. than yeah. the basketball and, or whatever. And, uh, and out of all those, the baseball contracts were by far the most lucrative. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. They play more games and longer seasons, but um, okay. Yeah, but I would think the NFL would maybe be up there with the you know physical demands on their body right shorter amount of time yeah you're not playing into your who, who 40s was the, uh, who was the football oh, it was luck yeah luck and then he retired suddenly yeah and but he still gets that money i i right? i don't know i was I mean, was it guaranteed I would, presumably he got something yeah right yeah he, he i mean i i'm sure he left some on the table but well no i mean the contract's a contract you get it well you know, and some of these contracts um, get deferred money, so uh, I, I'm surprised it didn't come up in there. But Bobby Bonilla, every he's a former uh, New York Mets baseball player. Yeah. He signed a contract in the '90s. Uh, you should Google it, and uh, he's got de- all this deferred money. So he he put in all this deferred money, so he 
like every year he gets a check for like a million bucks or something like that. And he's been out of baseball for 20-some years. Bonilla played ball in 2001 but still gets paid every July 1st by the Mets. They wanted to part ways in 99, but he still had $6 million left on his contract. Mets owner Fred Wilpond negotiated a deal to defer payments until 2011. Yeah. <laughs> okay, followed by now then yeah. what you just said, the annual payments. And how did he get this? Plus an 8% annual interest rate. Yeah. What the heck? I know, I know, I know. yeah. And then uh, there was another fact that was uh, interesting. Prince Fielder, uh, who has been who has retired from baseball, was the highest paid baseball player in 2020, because you know all, all the yep. active players missed all the games, uh, and so this retired player uh, was the highest paid player this year. Uh, again, deferred payments. Un- incredible. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he's Bobby Bonilla is 57 years old, yep. and he's still raking in. Yep, um, that was just brilliant. That is. So if you want to test your knowledge, it's actually Grizzly with one Z, G-R-I-Z-L-Y. And it's just they have lots of different tests. And this mm-hmm. is the professional player's contract quiz. Um, I'm positive that you would have done better if we kept going. Yeah, I think I would have come back. So, all right. New segment because my mind's been there and I thought, hey, you know what? What are some things that, as we've been in this COVID world, um, that you've come across or that you're experiencing? So, thought that you should know. What 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 should I know? So, this could be, I, I'm trying to leave it broad enough where it could yeah. have been, where you can teach me something. It's simply just information, you know, trivial things, or share something not really commonly known. But, here's the kicker if you were able to do this. Like, there had to be some sort of rationale on why, like a emotional thing, or that is super yeah. cool type yeah. of uh, connection. So, uh, so we're both teachers. Uh, I'm, I'm a teacher preacher in, uh, in the church. Uh, you are obviously in education. And, at, you know, when you first kind of suggested this, you know, I would have loved to have uh, done something that I recently heard on a podcast or something, but I just haven't really been listening to podcasts lately. Uh, so I kind of just went with my bread and butter because it kind of seemed like you were going to go with your bread and butter. So then I was like, well, I'm just going to do something that's, uh, that's kind of second nature for me, which is, uh, which is scripture, the Bible. Yep. Uh, and so, um, so my teaching lesson will be, uh, a very brief, uh, overview of the awesomeness of the book of Revelation. Okay. So, um, both uh, my current congregation, my last congregation, knows that I'm very passionate about this book and uh, find it very relevant for our times and emotionally stimulating as well. So, uh, and you know, you kind of phrased it as uh, something you might not know, and, and this is often the most misinterpreted uh, book of the Bible, and a lot of people take it uh, in, a, in a way that Personally, I don't think it was intended. Okay. So uh, the first thing is that it is actually singular. It is not the book of Revelations. It is the book of Revelation. One, you know, no S. Yeah. Uh, the reason for that is that the Revelation is a person, not an event. And that person is, any guesses? 
the no. person is Jesus Christ. Okay. So is the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. You could you could even um, you wouldn't tag that on there, but so it is about Jesus. Uh, he is he is the revelation to okay. the author. Um, again, it's attributed to somebody named John, but this would not have been John of. Uh, that we of the gospel okay. or John of the disciples. This would have been just some teacher about a hundred years after Christ uh, teaching these seven churches in Western Europe. So it's about uh, these seven churches going through various different crises. And so he kind of goes through and he names each crisis. So there's uh, some churches that are struggling with assimilation to the present culture. There's some churches struggling with um, uh, apathy and being very wealthy and kind of becoming, you know, um, so affluent that they just kind of become lazy. And, uh, And then there's some churches that are getting attacked. They're being persecuted for their faith. So if you're going to try to write uh, something that is going to capture and captivate and draw an audience in from very you know th- at least three different uh, you know things going on in their communities you're gonna have to do something pretty epic yeah so that's where this this epic this apocalypse is what they call it comes in so it's a very vibrant uh, stories that are meant to uh, startle you disrupt your thinking uh, this is a book about warnings and promises mm-hmm. so um, and uh, and it kind of just it's like spirals. So it'll do something that'll surprise the crap out of you, but then it'll go back to you know. But you can trust God. And you can trust the Lamb. So um, there's, I mean, obviously it could go on and on. But uh, if you don't get to the end, and and feel a sense of I can trust God and there's hope for this world, then you you miss something. Hmm. Uh, and, or you got stuck in the weeds trying to interpret this as a right. literal <clears throat> event like really that happening. are going to take place, uh, yeah. which was done, you know, by uh, in the '90s by these authors of the Left Behind series. They they literalized it and said, "Oh yeah, this is you know fictionalized it." But again, a lot of people think that what's in Revelation is actually going to happen. Okay, uh, and that's that's not the uh, hmm. again people you know interpret it how they want but my understanding and, and the interpretation that I uh, will hang my hat on is that this was meant to really reach those seven churches uh, but it's uh, it's still very applicable to our lives today and it is now my new favorite book of the Bible uh, and just I can I can just uh, always get something new out of there that that speaks sure. to me on on a lot of different both intellectual levels, but also stimulates emotionally, uh, and so it's a it's a fascinating fascinating book. It makes me mad when people call it revelations. <laughs> um, I'm kind of a, a snob about that, um, but uh, other than that, I, I it, it's fun to be able to teach about it, and uh, and I just I do various sermons throughout the year. On a, on pull, this, pull it in, book. yeah. Pull yeah. it in. So, in fact, just this Sunday, I'll be, I'll be talking about it as oh, well. So, that's good. Yeah. Well, and we can. Those are recorded. Yes. Yes. So, yep. You can go on a onto the St. Luke CG dot org uh, web page, and uh, we also have a YouTube channel, 
and uh, you can get uh, my sermons there. All right. Uh, so after so. after you listen to this, after we got a little bit this, more time. Yep. You can go and, and go in and s- search that out. Yeah. Okay. So there's my. That's awesome. That's fa- a, that's faster good. Faster. Yep. That's <laughs> thought you should know. So I don't know. If, not sure if it's my bread and butter, but it it does connect into this. In fact, it's not my bread and butter. Um, my my connection is it's really wow didn't think about it in this way it's it's pretty meta pretty complicated so i'm gonna I, my, my topic is the peter principle do you know the peter principle enlighten me developed by lawrence j peter okay so i'm this comes from um at least he's going to be talking about it this comes from malcolm gladwell's uh fifth season on revisionist history right there with my uh, hidden brain podcast um, and it's in the episode called Hamlet Was Wrong. So he's going to explain it to you just for a second, and then I'll talk about it. So here is what we're referring to. The Peter Principle states very simply that in any hierarchy, an employee tends to rise to his level of incompetence. That's where he stays. People get promoted based on a prediction about their ability to handle the next job on the hierarchy. And they keep rising until the prediction is wrong. You see, in any organization where competence is essentially eligibility for promotion and incompetence is a bar to promotion, wherever those rules apply, people will rise to the level of incompetence and tend to stay there. Okay, so when... People are talking about, you know, my, my boss is, is really bad. Probably is, mm-hmm. at least according to this Peter principle. So the idea being that you're skilled, right? And we then, you're like, awesome, get the promotion. Skill the promotion, keep moving forward until you hit the ceiling, mm-hmm. which is you are now incompetent is what he's, he's talking about here and no longer can move forward. All right. Now, the fascinating part, the emotional connection, the deeper dive for me was talking about then they use the business world as because it's not necessarily yours or my world that we're living in. Um, but the business side of it where I'm, I'm in sales and I'm getting and I'm an awesome sales representative. In fact, the statistics that they shout out is that, you know, 20% is responsible for 80% of the sales, right? We've heard mm-hmm. statistics yeah. or things yeah. along those lines. So what they do is they then move that individual, the top salesperson is promoted into that top piece. But what happens is that person isn't a good manager, can't lead other people. He can, she can sell things. Well, it's like Michael Scott from The Office. It's exactly right. Mm -hmm. In fact, the fascinating part is everybody else gets worse Mm -hmm. because they've all been moving forward and it's this competitive deal and then they get there and the top person gets it and now they're not, they're not like frustrated. They're pouty and this person is incompetent and can't bother because he, she, has reached the level of being able to do it with the most fascinating part um, being to me that one should then just go and take that person who is kind of the happy person, the one that everyone gets along with, whatever it is, and move them into that position. That person is incompetent already to be the leader. 
But because the competition and that structure, you already are going to have an incompetent person at so that level. So you might as well have someone you get along Exactly, with. <laughs> yes. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And again, if you tracked all of that, like, yeah. whoa, just pause on that a second and think about it. All right, I might as well have that individual. Yeah. Like they can't do the job anyway. Right. But ultimately, that's the, you're yeah. you're moving that person in there. Well, well, my mind went immediately back to baseball with these contracts, and that's kind of the debate for for baseball fans: is uh, how how much do you pay these superstars and when? Because the the previous system was so Albert Pujols comes to mind. Uh, he had already won a World Series. He was I think twenty nine. And most players' prime is 27, 28. So decline really sets in in your 30s, right? So, but he, he gets, he strikes this mega deal, a 10-year deal at 30, you know, where the majority of those years are going to yeah. be past his prime. Mm -hmm. So it's that, like, he's moving into incompetence <laughs> and is going to be making all this money, yep. you know? And and, uh, and now it's starting to shift where they are signing these these younger players who have all this potential stardom, but they haven't arrived yet. But they're getting, they're getting paid, but they're getting paid probably significantly less than they should yeah. if they waited, but it's that whole like a contract is it's guaranteed, mm -hmm. you know. And and if that player were to get hurt before they reach their prime, well, then they're not going to get paid, you know. So like yeah. you can see why they would do both contracts, but that that I immediately just thought of these, you know, Alex Rodriguez getting old and like basically like still playing, getting paid way more money. Yeah. Than the guy who's outperforming him and getting pennies on yes, the dollar. Yes, and who was younger and yes. had, yes. yes. So you're actually making more for doing right. less. Yes. Yep, that's uh -huh. exactly, exactly right. already and into yeah. it and just it, it's it's this is exactly what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about this yeah. is so good so this is uh hidden brains episode from september 14th and it's specifically about why no one feels rich and the psychology behind that yeah. and there it goes in so many different paths that i'm I'm very excited to talk about with you. Um, and I, I want to start with where we just were leaving off, which is, again, in baseball. Mm -hmm. And just so we have a context around that, which is um, an example being that an individual is on this baseball team making $500,000. Fantastic. You're top 1% of uh, Americans and, and just laying out that scenario. And then along comes this guy named Mike, <laughs> which is Mike Trout, we find out, who then gets the richest contract in history because it's 12 years compared to what we were talking about in the in the hot seat. For uh, It's a little bit under. It's $430 million, a little bit under. I think it's like 426.4 or some ridiculous amount, which essentially turns into $36 million a year. Year. One year. One year. 
36 million. million. And so that's the frame of reference being, if I'm the guy making $500,000, I'm thinking, dang, that is outstanding. (laughs) I am doing well. I'm in a position. I'm going to make plenty of money. Mm -hmm. I can take care of my family, my, my family's family, and on it goes. And then, oh, well, maybe not. What's mm-hmm. what's going on? What does he have that, that I don't have? And mm-hmm. he probably is a superstar, but the inequity is what comes, mm-hmm. is, is what's brought up. And it starts to affect how we are competing together, mm-hmm. how I'm mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. my teammate. Um, and that awareness is now... I'm not sure what's going on and I'm not sure where to go. Mm-hmm. So that's where it starts. But I also wanted to, before you, you jump in, the other scenario that framed it was the thinking this, because that's not you nor me nor any average Joe or Jane, right? right. But here's the other story that they, they lead with, which is about being on a plane and going through there's first class. Okay. And so yeah. there are seats on this plane and oftentimes, majority of um, the companies, they board first with first class. Mm-hmm. All right, we're boarding first class. Mm-hmm. And the people all sit down. They have more space. They're getting served, mm-hmm. etc. cetera, mm-hmm. right? And everybody else in coach has to walk, walk through them. Walk by them, yep. And go all the way to the back mm-hmm. and, and thinking, again, it's probably not on my mind or yeah. maybe it is. Well, oh, it yeah. certainly is on my mind now because I saw it. I felt it. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of it. Yeah. And I had to go through it. And I'm actually interrupting them. I mean, the, the faces, yeah. their looks on their faces, and I'm not trying to judge them. No. I'm telling you just my perspective on what I've personally yeah. had to do. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. Like I'm walking through mm-hmm. someone's room. Right? <laughs> exactly, I'm like, excuse yeah. me, excuse me. I'm going yeah, through the yeah, house. Yeah, I'll, I'm, right. I'll be through in a second. Yeah. And if I didn't have that awareness, if, if you boarded it, from the back of the plane yep. and then to first class because the, the front of the plane, they're going to have their seats no matter what. Why do they need to board me first or board yep. them first? So if I am board, if I get on first or if I am able, some planes, they mentioned if they got on a different spot, you wouldn't, you'd be able to avoid it completely. And this, they've looked at this. There are a lot of factors, but yeah. this is, yeah. they're talking about being able to see that. And because of that, this has now created this like this tendency to now I'm judging the situation. Yeah. I'm judging myself. What have they done? You know, I I I would like to sit there. I, I it you can't. It feels intentional. Yeah, right? yeah, it yeah. It totally feels like the airline is doing this intentionally. Like like they want to parade you through the rich and famous you know, seats and these cushy, you know, like, I mean, I've thought it, I've walked through it. I'm like, what's that guy's story? Like, you know, does he just <laughs> like, you know, like he had, like he, is he a millionaire mm-hmm. or does he just refuse to sit in coach? Like what's the, you know, or does he just have so many miles that he, or, or, you know, or maybe it's, it's somebody who just got lucky and like got bumped, you know, like you yes. don't know, yeah. you know, but like you feel like they're better than me when I'm walking through there. Right. <laughs> Right. You have that feeling of like, I have not arrived to the point where I'm willing to shell out because it's it's a good hundred some dollars extra, you know, like, um, in, in order to in order to get those seats, you know, um, 
and, and it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they do the, the warm towels like you hear on the, in the movies anymore, or, um, if it's, you know, uh, I don't know what they all, what they all say that they do, that they do, you know, um, I don't know. if they get alcohol for free. I mean, right, I'm sure right, they're still right. getting, they're, they're getting nickel and dime just like the rest of us. But, um, there is that significant sense of like, here's, here's where you're trying to get to people. Yes. Move on back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and keep moving sheep. Keep moving. This isn't for you. This is, this isn't for you. Yeah. And, and. Man, I mean, so true for for everybody. So it continues because here's then taking that example that you're just referring to, there, the the status ladder, right? Okay, so you and I are looking at them like, okay, we're not there. One day, maybe, probably not. Whatever. <laughs> what are they thinking? Because we compare up. Uh-huh. So the status ladder, there's always someone below you. There's always someone above you. Okay. Um, as even if you're at the 1%, there's still 1% of the 1%, however you want to get into that. And I don't really want to, but it, it's, it is actual in the sense for America because we, um, majority feels poorer because it stays, it has stayed the same since about the Mm seventies. Okay. The money, as far as middle-class or poor, whichever category you're falling into, but the upper class they are making way more money than they've ever made before so they are the rich have have gotten richer we're not necessarily any poorer but because um they've gotten richer that gap has increased 20 percent over that amount of time to the level i don't know if you looked at that article from time but they were doing some comparisons with that and it got really deep but I got into it a little bit where looking at some of the um, racial disparities. And so it looked at in 1975, um, started, it was men and women. And it started with the, the white man in 75. He made 31% more than, than the woman. Jeez. Okay. And that now same in, job. in 20, yeah, yeah, same job and all those different things. In 2018, um, it still is. It's it's sixty eight percent. So we've in, we've increased. We've gotten better, um, mm-hmm. but there's still that gap. Where during that amount of time, the black man to the to the white man, there was seventy four percent to eighty percent. It's only over since nineteen seventy five oh. to twenty eighteen. Only six percent change in comparison to like nope, we're hundred yeah. percent. We're equal. Yeah, that's why when I was listening to this episode, that's immediately where my my brain went is is just, you know, we we cannot understand the plight of a person of color until we understand this issue of an inequality. Yep. You know that that we we just we can't hold a candle to what what they go through because we've just been swept through the system, you know, and and never even occurs to us that we're getting treated unfairly you know and and it's like every day every moment of their life they know it yep uh yep and and that those reference points i mean so it's not being made up i mean Mm -hmm. they're not they're not but again it it's the status ladder and who are we talking about and are you talking about uh, a black man and and a white man or is it about a a black woman and a and a white man Mm -hmm. because 
So you can say, well, there are, there are people poorer than you. Uh-huh. Right? And it, oh, it, it doesn't help because their statistics, $50,000, you make $50,000 a year. Okay, that puts you globally at the top 1%. Yeah. Well, those U.S. Yeah. people, they're not looking at making no. $50,000 going, oh, yeah. Like their the reference points as it should look at all the wealth around them and all the different things that the the privilege allows them to be able to get through. Yeah, I heard I heard once and maybe this is outdated, but it was something like if you have a car, you're rich. If you have a pair of shoes, you're rich. You know, like if if you have clean water, you're rich. If you have flushable toilets, you're rich. Like again, compared to the majority of the world, like all Americans, middle class, lower class, are technically rich. Yeah. You know, but because we have this 1%, you know, and that's what we associate with rich, we would never say that we're rich. No. You know, we would, and $36 million a year, like I remember when guys were getting 20 million a year, which is still an astronomical number, and Trout is now getting $16 million more than that guy for doing the same job. Like, (laughs) it's just preposterous. Isn't it? And so it starts to affect us. So that's the psychology here is it affects your mind and your body because what you're doing is you it's forcing you, um, unless you're doing some things, which we'll get at the end, but unless you're being mindful of it, you're focused on the short term. It, it forces you to look at that amount of time. It forces you then to kind of take some risky behaviors. It's why the lottery, people are playing the lottery because, well, I, I, you know, I could strike yeah. it rich. And the the other part is the physio, physiological, hard for me to say, side, which is that we're we're in this kind of an, I'm being attacked. I have a threat because I need to have this money. Where is my next mm-hmm. paycheck coming from? If you get way down into the poverty level, and that was they did a study. Um, if you if you were listening to the part about the uh, homicide rates mm-hmm. and looking at the specifics of poverty separate from inequality, because mm-hmm. the poverty. Um, Truly like, all right, um, crime and the things that are going to happen in, in a poor country, um, physical needs and whatnot. But when there's the wealth portion of it, the inequality, like we have the opportunities. Well, but you don't because of those things where this individual has been given um, those opportunities that others have not mm-hmm. been given, then um, we end up doing these comparisons and then we act on them because dang it right. this you know looting and raiding and yeah. all the and killing again yeah. in this homicide rate it, it it becomes something where i'm pushed in a corner and i don't know what yeah. else i'm going well, to your do your back is against the wall you're going to act differently than when you know you're getting weighted on hand and foot yes which although i, I you'll have to remind me i remember them talking about how when we're constantly comparing up it obviously makes the person below more miserable to compare up. But then there was something about the person who's at the top not being any happier. Yes. So so you're you're more miserable the more you're comparing up, comparing up, but then you would think that the person at the on the on the top then would be like exponentially happier because you know, no, they're kind they of flat, have, kind of flat, just, ambivalent. Just, just There's flat, no. flat affect. Yep. Nothing really yep. happened yep. in there because the 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 the, only, the positive side would be that it could be a motivator for you. Yes. Then, like, okay, I see that this is where 
they need to check out a, one of our other episodes about, you know, especially in America, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm right. going to work yeah. hard type of thing. Not necessarily true. Okay, so mm -hmm. listen to the America episode. But this is it. It could be motivating. Mm -hmm. But the problem is um, we get so in, we, we take this then, and this is where our politics come into play, which is coming up here with our voting. And, and we look at it and we say, well, wait a minute, because we look at it and we think that those that have it deserve it. Yeah. Right? Yep. And, which is what you're, you're referring to there. And they did a study um, where they laid out um, the top 20% owning a third of the wealth. Yeah. Okay? The bottom 20% owning only 10%. And that's got to maybe re-listen to that. But <laughs> they, they lay that out on who's got the money. Okay? With the other, the other country not identified is the, the top versus the bottom the top is 84% with dealing with the wealth and the bottom only owns and they did 0.1% a ridiculously so small amount so whether you tracked all that here's what you need to know it's do you want that equal or not the 20% yeah. and 20% obviously this is the middle but the top end and the low end and the idea being that in in America when they did the survey 92% of Americans thought yeah we want that that equality piece the, that's that's Sweden the other example where it's only that small percentage, that small little group mm -hmm. that owns all that wealth, that's the United States. Yes. And we don't follow through with that the way that we vote right. into policy because we think you get into more than that, right? Yeah, Identity yeah. Yep. And, yep. and all the right. different things that are yeah. happening. But just the fact that, again, both parties, Republican and Democrat, the major parties, 90% yep. wanted that. And 94% of the Democrats, like, which one would you go with? And they, they want the one that's more equal. And, and I mean, again, like, that's the way. But we don't, we don't do that because then you look at it yeah. and like, okay, yeah. I've got mine. Yeah. Then what am I going to, yeah. if I have more yeah. than you, right? Yeah. Like, I'm the right. latter. Let's play this out. Let's yeah. finish this thought. I have that, yeah. which is, again, I, I'm now going to help raise you up. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's not a handout. It's a right. hand up and we work yeah. together like, no, but that's not how they think. It isn't, and like it, I, I took, I got mine. Yeah, you go get yours. Like I have nothing no. to do with you. No, exactly. I'm not going to be responsible for you. Correct. I've got mine, and that's all that matters. Yep. And, and I then, judge yeah. all that based yep. through that filter. Yep. Like, yep. well, then he must not be working yeah. hard. Or like, yeah. then we're not even looking yeah. through that filter right. of privilege. No. Or, uh, uh well, there's just so much education that's needed to. To get your, but I, 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 yeah, like it's, well, then where would the motivation go? And then where would the, you know, the sense of accomplishment and Correct. blah, blah, blah. And I mean, and I mean, do, and we don't, in America, we don't have transparency about yeah. here are our right. salaries. Right. We hide that information. Yep. And when you hide that information, it seems that like there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. When we don't know, okay, this is what this doctor makes, this is what this lawyer, et cetera, et cetera, even within a company. So you don't want to maybe right. make that public to, you know, everybody. But within your company, you yep. go in there and you know what the guy right. or gal down the hall is making in comparison to you. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yep. Nope, it's not. No. Back to the competition right. thing. Like, we're not going to have teamwork. We're not going to yeah. work together on that with the superstar. Right. Mike Trout, I mean, what are they doing with that? Like, okay, maybe in that case, he's probably so far removed. But yeah. the people that are making a million dollars versus, or two million versus the guy who's making 300 or 500. Right. Well, and then, I mean, your the performance does typically tend to slide when yeah. you start 
getting your money. Especially at least in the team sports, right? Like, I don't know how much it matters if you're golfing or playing tennis or whatnot. But when you and I are relied on and we're getting paid, I'm another outfielder doing the same job that you are. Right. Maybe not at quite the percentage of slugging that you have, but... Well, it was interesting because he was saying, well, what if, what if all the players on the team got the same amount of money? What would happen? Right. You know? And obviously, if you started the culture that way, it probably wouldn't be a big deal at all. But if you started it now, yeah. you know, when Trout would have to take like an 89% pay cut, yeah. you know, like... There's the money. Let's even lead... Or closer. You know, I mean, like, again, 20%. And That's where it's hard because it's just like... You know, to, to institute these changes now in just the dumpster fire of a culture that we've set uh, up. You know? Who's going to give that who's up? Who's going to give that up? You know, who just, is going to no give that up? Because that perspective that up, you know? so matters. Yep. yep. Um, it, and yeah. And it, yeah. So he did say at the end, as, as we as we wrap up, because you can't double negative here. You can't not think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of it's yeah. it's it's sort of ingrained right. again into our in our minds, and then our bodies are affected right. by it. Right. And we don't want you in fight flight mode all right. the time, or right. like there right. are legitimate yep. circumstances yep. where like they don't know where that, especially yeah. with the COVID and the job yeah. loss. Where where am I going to get yeah. that next paycheck? Well, but I, if if I may tie it back to to the book of revelation it it really comes down to faithfulness you know faithfulness that is the goal like at least that's how i try to i'm just going to be faithful to what i have and what i've given yeah and that's the that's the standard that i'm going to measure to rather than a salary number sure you know uh which again not everybody thinks that way and if someone wanted to just start giving me you know a huge pay raise like it would be hard to turn it down uh, but now that I'm more aware of, you know, all the inequality around, like, you, you know, you definitely would think twice about, about all that. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, he, he, he says that then as well to, um, as they're finishing that podcast is, is really to be strategic when you're making those comparisons and yeah. thinking about it, like when I'm comparing up or comparing down and we were making fun of it a little bit to the idea of that. It's there's always someone in a worse yeah. situation or whatever, and and in a, in the positive sense, meaning all right, being thankful for what yes. I have, yeah. um, and and recognizing that, and you know we we want to not be unmotivated by it, but I yeah. actually like look at it and go, all right, yes, yeah. I am good, right. I'm at a good spot, um, and hopefully it teaches you to have compassion, you know, uh, rather than pity. Uh, to to be able to start seeing that we are, you know, to try and begin to see a world that can be equal um, or at least get closer to it. Right. Right. So it's, it's, I, um, great topic. It's fascinating and and not going to check out the hidden brain episode. It, it, they do a much more coherent job, uh, than, than we do, but, uh, we did give you the cliff notes and, and the highlights and, uh, but the Hidden Brain episode is is really fascinating. Take a listen. So as this has been Godfather, our artwork is designed by Chuck Bennis. Our theme music is from The Godfather, composed by Nita Roda. 
transition music was by Led Zeppelin with tonight's outro music being performed by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Join us again when we will ask more questions, explore further connections, and share our reflections to add a little value to the world.